Praise God. If you would, turn in your Bible to John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 5. We have been in the middle of a sermon series called Plugged Into Something Bigger. And I want to encourage you this morning. I'm going to actually approach today's message kind of backwards. So we're going to work from the back and we're going to work to the front. How many of you know that Man, God's original design for us in Genesis was that man was not supposed to be alone. And the scripture tells us plainly, man man doesn't do good by himself. He needs a helper. Can I tell you, that's not just a marriage verse. That's a life verse. We need community. We need people in our lives. But I've heard so many people say this, and it's kind of comical, but I think It's just funny enough to have a little bit of truth in it. Man, I, I, you know, church would just be so awesome if it weren't for all the people. Man, I would love to volunteer if I didn't have to deal with people. Man, I would join a life group, you know, if I didn't have to be around people. And it's just funny enough to be like, there's a little bit of truth in there, I think, somewhere. But the reality is... We were designed for community, we were made for community, and we thrive inside of community. It was our God design and purpose in Genesis, and he's never changed his mind all the way through it. We have a tendency at times to make a mess out of relationships. Can we agree with that? Amen? So we're going to talk in John 4 because Jesus has this amazing interaction with this woman at a well. And this whole scripture, if you've never looked at it in this context, this whole passage, this whole interaction has to do with relationships and how we can have better, healthier relationships in our lives. Amen? So let's read this here, starting in verse 5. John 4, starting in verse 5. Eventually, he, Jesus, came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, this woman said, give me this water, and then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Don't you think that's kind of a weird kind of interlude? Man, I'm thirsty, and, you know, I'm here, and and you're asking me for water, and I don't have a bucket. Well, go get your husband. (laughs) 
But Jesus is, Jesus is poking around now. Jesus is beginning to dig around. Because this well is the complete backdrop for one of the most amazing messages on relationships that you'll ever hear. Go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now, so you have certainly spoken the truth. Now let's, let's talk about this for a second. You have this woman at a well in an odd time of the day. Very uncharacteristic, because back in those days, woman, uh, women would have went together to draw water from the well for their households. And they would have went in the morning, and they would have went in the evening, they would have went in the two cooler parts of the day, but they would have traveled together. And you have this one woman that she's by herself, she's completely isolated, she's completely alone, and she's that way on purpose. Now again, whether she was a social outcast, maybe, but sometimes when you're a five-time loser, you don't want to walk with the group and hear all the scuttle about how Susie's doing wonderful and Mary's doing wonderful and their marriages are awesome and I'm on number six and I'm not even married to that one. But this woman is completely alone. She's completely outcast and she's failed time after time after time relationally. And Jesus has this amazing interaction that honestly has nothing to do with the literal water in the well, but it's him saying, listen, you keep drawing from the wrong well, and it's leading to failure after failure after relationship failure after relationship failure. And it's because you're drinking from the wrong well. So you're trying to get other people to meet the needs that only I can give you. You're trying to drink from other people's well. You're trying to drink from your spouse's well. And they cannot give you what I can give you. They can't provide the life that I can provide you. I can provide a life that bubbles up from the inside out that you like, that you enjoy. You've got a zest and zeal for life. But if you try to get that from other people, they will continue to fail you. You will fail them and your relationships will be very, very difficult because you're drinking from the wrong well. One of the most important, uh, our, our most important relational needs can only be met by Jesus Christ. Only. And I, listen, I've counseled couple after couple, and I, I use that analogy because of how much the Bible talks about how marriages mimic his relationship with his church. And I have sat with woman after woman that has tried to get these needs met from her husband and he's failing constantly because he's not Jesus. And I've sat with man after man that's ready to move on to the next one because his wife's not Jesus. And it's amazing, but it's the truth. When we try to place a demand on other people that only Jesus can fill, our relationships become volatile. Now listen, I told you I'm working backwards, right? The reality is we need each other. 
We need community. We need life with each other. But we need it in the way that Jesus intended for it to be the healthiest that it can be. See, again, I think there's that shred of truth that, man, I'd I'd be a part of a life group. I'd serve. I'd do this. But it's just the people. Well, listen, if your relationships are failing, it's because you're drinking from the wrong well. And you're placing such an unhealthy demand on someone else that they can never meet. And because of that, my relationships continue to fail. I want to talk about four of our deepest needs relationally. Four of our deepest needs. And I'm going to try to kind of go through these rather quickly. But here's the number one need. And it's the biggest need that every one of us have in our human flesh and nature. And it's the need for love and acceptance. You can put them both together, acceptance, love, love, acceptance, whatever. It's really the same thing. We want to be accepted for who I am, not what I can do for you. Come on, are you listening to me? We want to be accepted for who we are. And can I even take it a little bit deeper? I don't need you to accept me when I'm on my best behavior and I'm having my best day. I really need you to love and accept me at my worst. Because if you can love and accept me there, then I know we have a relationship that will last the test of time. But listen, if you're only for me and accept me and love on me when I'm at my best, then I'm going to fail you more than I, uh, than I do good in your eyes. Are you listening to me? Now here's the thing. If I'm constantly looking for somebody else to give me the acceptance that my heart craves, I'm going to fail in that relationship all the time. Because the reality is, you may be uh, walking out today, and you may be like, man, I don't know, pastor must have had some bad pizza last night, and he must not have studied very much, because his message was terrible today. And you might walk out of here and think, man, pastor was on his game today. Man, he was, re- he was spitting it, and getting it, and man, it was incredible, and But listen, I don't want you to accept me based off of what I do. I don't want you to accept me just if I had a good day. And I want you to accept me right where I am. Can I tell you this? Jesus is the only one that can do that. As a matter of fact, God makes us a promise in Hebrews 11.5. And he says this, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, here's why this scripture is so important. Leave, in the Greek, that's physical. That's a physical leaving. But forsake, in the Greek, that's emotionally. So he's saying this, listen, no matter if it's your best day or your worst day, I'll never leave standing by your side. And not only that, my heart will never depart from you. Man, you don't know how important this is. Because, again, if it's person to person, If I've done something wrong or if I've offended you or if it's been a bad day and not a good day, then your acceptance wanes. But the God of the entire universe is sitting there saying, listen, I will never leave you alone and my heart will never depart from you. Even at your worst day, I will never emotionally abandon you. Listen, this is not just a marriage thing, it's a life thing. Because I know lots of married people that feel completely and totally alone. Come on, can you say amen? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never allow my heart to turn away from you. Here's the second thing. It's identity. 
This is a passion point for me. All of us. Listen, I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. I don't care if you're young or old. The reality is all of us want to feel like we're somebody special. All of us. We want to feel like we were made for something significant. We want to feel like who we are is going to make an imprint that lasts just past uh, maybe a conversation. My identity cannot be wrapped up in what I do. For the longest time, that was my identity. I was wrapped up in the business I owned. I was wrapped up in the things that I did because I didn't understand what it meant just to be a son. Because I had had a failed relationship at being a son. And because I was drinking from the wrong well, consequently a lot of my relationships weren't all that healthy because I wasn't allowing Jesus to make my identity. I was creating my own. Come on, say amen or oh me or something. I was trying to create the identity that I wanted people to receive, not really who I was. And we do it more often than we realize. We try to create and fashion identities based off of what we think people want from us. I went through a season of my life when I was dating my wife where, again, her, her mom and dad were pastors of a church. So I just tried to figure out the best way to act and, and how to be in the right words to say. And then inside of that, well, like once those two hours were over, it's like, okay, I can, I can go back to being this other person. Because we create identities based off of what we think other people need from us. But can I tell you this? It's only Jesus and Jesus alone that can tell you who you really are. It's called your identity found in Christ. And can I tell you, when he tells you, here's the beautiful part. It, it's it. It's end of story. If, if my wife would have tried to convince me our first year into marriage, you know, you're going to be a minister, I would have said, you're nuts, you're crazy. If you would have tried to walk up on the street and say, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a, a leader of people for Jesus Christ, I would have said, get out of here. You are an idiot. I, I, I ain't buying any of this. And, and I tell the story about me actually going to Bible school, and I still don't know how God tricked me into going into Bible school, but I know this. When he told me, you're going to be a minister of the gospel, that was it. It didn't come from anybody else. I began to see who he viewed me as. Not who somebody else viewed me as. Only Jesus can genuinely tell you who you really are. Your spouse can't. Man, let me reemphasize that. Your spouse can't. Your kids can't. Your employer can't. Your peers can't, only, only Jesus Christ can. Let me give you the third one, security. Man, this is important. Again, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's financial, whether it's work, marriage, personally, family, relatives, friends, whatever the case may be. Ladies, you're even, this is your number one need, ladies, is the need for security. But it's still a deep need for all of us. Security. Now again, men, you can put on as tough a front as you want to, but the reality is we need to feel secure as well. 
We don't know what tomorrow looks like, but thank God he does. Thank God. That's why I'm telling you, listen, he's already working in our tomorrow, and we haven't even got there yet. Thank God for that. I mean, we're talking about the God that holds the entire universe and all its complexities, this tiny planet, all its complexities, and he holds it in the palm of his hand. And with all that going on, he's still got time to wrap his arms around me and tell me, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You are mine. And I'm not going to let go. Yeah, but don't you remember what I did last week? I'm not going to let go. Yeah, but... Listen, the beautiful part is no matter how hard the waves were and no matter how hard the wind blew and no matter how bad the storm was that Noah was in inside of that ark, if he fell, he always fell in the ark. He never fell out of the ark. And I don't care how much you trip and stumble. Man, if he's yours and you're his, you'll never fall out of the ark. Are you listening to me? I am so grateful that he holds my past. He holds my present. He holds my future. And listen, that's really important to know because my past can make me feel insecure because of things that I've done. My present can make me feel insecure because of maybe missteps I'm currently making. My future can seem... Uh, uncertain and unclear because I've made a mess out of the days prior so what's going to make that any different but the reality is he holds it all my past my present and my future and listen the scripture tells me that when I was quite unlovable and didn't love him he still loved me listen that's the kind of security my heart craves Amen? Let me give you the fourth one here. Now now listen, before I move on though, this is really important. You have to understand, people can't provide you that kind of security. And if you're looking for your spouse to provide that for you, then guess what? You're drinking from the wrong well. If you're looking for your boss to supply that, that security, you're drinking from the wrong well. And I'm going to tell you, People will let you down. Now, again, I'm working backwards here. We need each other. We just need each other after we've drank from the right well. Because if not, our relationships become toxic. And I become a failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship because I'm trying to get my deepest needs met by a human rather than my Savior. Are you guys understanding me? Now let me give you the fourth one. It's purpose. And listen, identity and purpose are different. And again, this is another passion point of mine. But why do you wake up in the morning? You know, we have a lot of people, unfortunately, and there's probably people in this service right now that don't exactly know why they're waking up tomorrow morning, Monday morning. Now, what's, what's the purpose? I, I just role play with me for just a second, okay? Just role play a little bit. But again, what's, what's driving you? What's your motivation? If somebody walked up to you today 
and handed you a credit card and said, pay every bill with this, pay all of your needs with this, pay for your recreation with this, I'm going to cover all your expenses from now on. What's your motivation come Monday morning? What am I waking up for? Listen, we have a lot of people that battle with depression and, and stress and anxiety and that want to commit suicide because they don't know why they're waking up in the morning. And they've lost their sense of purpose for why they're doing what they're doing. We've got people whose marriages are struggling and on the brink of failure because they've lost the purpose of why we're together. Come on, are you guys listening to me? Why do we wake up in the morning? What's driving you? Because listen, listen. <coughs> if I live for a paycheck and I'm living to fill my bank full of dollars, then the reality is, is if I lose my job, I've lost all my will to live. And, and if... If now I'm living just for a biological 24-hour time span of waking up and doing this and coming home and, and wash, rinse, repeat, and, and do the same thing over the next day, how many of you saw that movie Groundhog Day where it's just the same thing over and over and over and I lose my will to really live? What, what am I doing? And why am I even doing it? Man, we have people that are struggling just to figure out why am I going to wake up on Monday morning? What's my drive? What's my motivation? But can I tell you this, guys, and, and I can't stress this enough. You are a child of the living God that the Scripture says has purpose, has destiny, has identity. And God put you on this earth to influence somebody else's life and make somebody else's life better. And you are here with plan. You are here with purpose. You're not here to punch a 40-hour time clock. That may be part of what you do, but that's not who you are. That's not your identity, and that is not your purpose for being here. I'm going to take it even a step further because the Scripture tells us in Jeremiah 1.5, Psalms 139.13, Jeremiah 29.11, it says this, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I formed your inward parts, your wiring, your gifts, your talents, your emotions, your strengths, your weaknesses. I formed it all. I set you apart with plan and purpose, and it's a good plan full of a hope and a future. You are here to make a difference. You are here to make an impact. You are here with purpose and destiny that far exceeds what you do on a daily basis. But listen to me. If I'm looking for my job to meet that need, or I'm looking for my spouse to meet that need, or I'm looking for my children to meet that need, or I'm looking for the next thing to meet that need, I'm drinking from the wrong well, and that relationship is doomed for failure. Because I'm going to place a demand on you that you'll never be able to meet. And because you'll never be able to meet it, we're going to have issues. Because I'm trying to draw from you Something that just ain't there. Come on, are you guys listening to me? Listen, the only way that we can have healthy, life-giving relationships, listen, in that 
scripture verse. Jesus said this, man, you drink from this water, you'll be full of life. It'll be bubbly. It'll be vivacious. It'll be contagious. It'll be something that other people want to throw a bucket in. And man, let me draw out of the well that's on the inside of you because it's life-giving. But that's only when I'm drinking from Jesus' well, not yours. But listen, when I'm drinking from the right well, then it doesn't matter if you tell me I preach good or not. It doesn't matter if you like uh, the clothes that I'm wearing. I get my acceptance. I get my identity. I get my purpose. I get my security from the only one that can truly fill the gaping holes in my heart. And then when I get them from there, I don't have to place that demand on my wife. I don't have to place it on you. I don't have to place it on anybody else because I don't need you for that. I'm getting that from him. And when you get that from him, you have some of the healthiest relationships that you could ask for. You actually get to go to dinner and not have to be a nonstop counseling session. You just get to enjoy dinner. Because, listen, I don't need you to be my counselor. I'm hooked up to the great counselor that resides on the inside of me. And listen, we need each other. We need community. We need people in our lives. But this is probably the most important part that I can relate to you this morning. Is this. People can only meet our secondary needs. They can never meet our primary needs. They can never. But listen, when I'm drinking from the right well, this lady took one, it wasn't even a full drink, it was a sip from a moment with Jesus. And she went from being an outcast that wanted to be by herself to running into town. If you reach the rest of the, read the rest of the story, she runs into town and tells everybody she can find, man, you got to meet this guy. I didn't even want to talk to you, let alone knock on your door, but spending five minutes with this guy, and I'm ready to talk to every one of you guys. We've got to be plugged into something bigger than what we are. And when you drink from the well that is Jesus Christ, then it stops putting an unhealthy demand on the people around you. You, you guys have heard me talk about this. That there are people that you just don't even want to engage in a conversation with because you know, man, they're going to suck me dry. Hey, don't look at your neighbor and don't look at your spouse. Listen, I want to be the one that people are like, man, can I have a drink out of there? I, I want you to be that one where people at your work are saying, man, I don't know what is so alive on the inside of you, but I want to drink out of your well. See, that happens when I'm drinking out of his first. And when I do that, listen, I don't set my wife up for failure anymore because she doesn't have to be the one to say you're a good man. And listen, my flesh needs to hear that. Because there are days where my flesh questions that. But when I hear it from him, it really doesn't matter then what you say to me, good or bad. Because I got that need met or my thirst just got quenched 
and it wasn't by you. Bow your heads for me. Man, we need people. We need people. But we need people to meet the secondary needs, not the primary. If you're here this morning and you've just felt lost, you've just felt alone, kind of like this woman, kind of doing your own solo mission. And you came today and you're not even sure why you came. Like, this ain't even your church. I'm just, I'm stopping by. But listen, if you're lost, if you feel alone, then I know exactly why you're here. Because Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And he's asking you if you'd like to take a drink. And it's so simple. All you have to do is just have a conversation that says, Jesus, I I need you. I need what you have. I need you in my life. I need you, Jesus. I need you. Come in. I surrender. I need you to fill those needs in my heart. I need you. I've been trying to get them met by other people and I keep failing and they keep failing me. I need you, Jesus. And I need to drink from your well. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would restore our hearts to love people again. Listen, some of you have been wounded deeply by people. And it's because they've been drinking from the wrong well too. Father, restore our hearts to love people again. Restore our hearts to value and love community again. I'm asking you to do this and let it start in your church first. And give us a heart to love people. You need people so much more than you realize. You are not designed to live alone. You were designed to live inside a community. 